Good morning, church. It's good to be together. Are you well? Could you be better? <laughs> of course we could. <laughs> and, and I hope that's a desire of your heart. No matter where you are in life, desire to be better, desire to grow, desire to learn, desire to improve, desire to expand, because that is part of being a steward of what God has given us. Given us our life, our positions, our time, our talents. And so we need to develop that and grow. So never be totally satisfied. Be content, but not totally satisfied where you are. Desire to grow in the Lord. Amen? Welcome to those of you watching online as well and to those of you listening to the sermon. Before we dive into the message, just a, a quick remark, a few remarks. First of all, those of you online, remember you're going to be having communion later on, so get your bread and your juice ready. Another thing, last week we, we learned that um, nothing is really yours, right? That uh, you should not hold on tightly to your positions because they are not yours. They can be taken from you just like that. And unfortunately this week, we have all seen the pain of the people in Turkey and Syria. Where through those sudden earthquakes, thousands lost their lives. Thousands more lost their positions. It is tragic and we need to keep on praying for the people there. But it's not only that. We are sitting with a war, a senseless war, going on to its first anniversary this month. It is tragic. Uh, now, going back to the disasters, do you know that from, 19, from 1969, from 1960 to 2000, there's been a tenfold increase in natural disasters? The... Um, the data captured between 1900 and 2019 by the Institute for Economics and Peace reveal an increase from 39 incidents in 1960, 39 natural disasters, you know, floods, fires, earthquakes, that kind of stuff. 39 of them happened in 1960, but in 2019, 396. That's like a tenfold increase in that period of time. And we are seeing these days an increase in these natural disasters. We live in days of widespread tragedy and danger. As I said, not only the natural disaster, but man-made disasters like a stupid war. There is political chaos in many parts of the world. <laughs> of course, here in South Africa, we heard this week in our State of the Nation address, as much as the president tried to bring hope to the people, he couldn't hide the fact that this government has blundered and destroyed what is given to it. And you are in crisis. Amen? They did not take care. They did not expand what was handed to them. And they have launched an state of emergency to an emergency which the government themselves created. It's ironic. Now, I'm not here to talk about politics, guys. And I'm mentioning these things to reveal to you a bigger picture. I want you to step back. Step back from South Africa. Step back from the world. Step back from what's happening in the war and so on. Pull back a little bit more. I want to show you this. That The fact is, if you are an alert Christian, an alert believer, you have to see that all these things are indicating that the return of Jesus is soon. We are seeing prophecies being fulfilled. Where people are trying to fix the world, but the more they try to fix the world, the more problems they create. And it seems some things are totally beyond our control. Other things are within man's control, but they're making a mess of it. All over the place. And so we need to be alert. And so the fact that Jesus will return soon makes what we are learning in this series vitally important as we will hear today. And so let's move on into our message today and welcome to part two of our series, Money Matters. Amen. As you heard last week, the Bible has much to say about money and positions. And so how we handle our stuff is important to God. You know, the Christian life, not just about your spiritual things and just your prayers, and it, it, is, it involves your whole life and what you do with your life, with your time, your talents, your treasure, your stuff, matters to God as well. In Luke 16, verse 11, we read, and these are the, the words of Jesus. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, 
That's your stuff. <laughs> the stuff that you've got, that you accumulate over the years, that you work for, that you obtain. If you're not trustworthy in handling, in managing your stuff, your worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? God has true riches that he wants to entrust to you and me. They go beyond worldly positions. But worldly positions is a measure of how we're going to handle heavenly stuff. And you're going to hear a little bit about what the stuff is just now. So God wants to hand things to us, but he wants to see how we're handling this stuff. And so if you missed last week's message, please... Go to our website and, and watch it or listen to it. It laid a foundation for what we're discussing in this series. And essentially we learned that uh, how we deal with our money depends on our perspective, our attitude towards money and positions. Your attitude determines your, your perspective, how you're going to see the world, how you're going to see money, how you're going to see life, how you're going to see your life, and how you're going to see the, the world as a whole. Everything that you do outside, everything you do outside here, my, my actions, my speech, my, my choices, the things I do outside here are a result of what goes on inside here. And so my perspective is something I've got inside of me. My attitude is something which resides inside of me. And what is inside of me controls or guides or directs what I do outside here. So when I express a certain view, a certain opinion, a certain uh, you know, value, it is reflecting what's going on inside of me. So the Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. You see, what goes on inside determines who I am. And since our thinking tends to be corrupted by, uh, you know, the selfish and ungodly thoughts of this world, all right, we grow up and we are bombarded with worldly thoughts and worldly worldview and, and selfishness, which is inherent in all of us. And so because of that, the Bible instructs us to renew our minds with the Word of God. And part of what happens when you come to church and you sit in a service like this, part of what is happening is together, corporately, we are renewing our minds. You're concentrating, seeing what does the Word of God say. And you're renewing our minds with the Word of God. And then we go home and we think about it and we read it again and we have a quiet time. We read our Bibles, we pray to God. And as you're doing these things, we are renewing our minds. Instead of being focused on the news and, and what the world says and that man's opinion and that leader's opinion, we are focused on what God says, what is his opinion, and we allow what God says to form my thinking and to guide my decisions. Amen? So that is what's happening over here. And so we need to renew our minds and reprogram our minds in different areas of our lives. And in this series, we are looking at what God says about money and possessions. And the first thing we learned last week is that we own nothing, all right? We say it is ours, but in reality, it is not. Because everything we possess can be taken away from us just like that. It's part of my job as a pastor to conduct funerals. I've never conducted a funeral where at the end the hearse leaves and there's a trailer attached to it with all the stuff that the person collected. And we take all that and again doesn't happen. Every person gets buried alone. You arrive in this world alone, and you go out of this world alone. Nothing is really yours. So what, what's all the stuff you've gotten? It is for you to manage, for you to take care of, for you to be a steward. And so we learned last week that God owns the universe and everybody in it, <laughs> okay? So uh, by, by, by the account of the Bible, even my life is not mine because Jesus bought my life at a price. I belong to him. Amen. And so I can't just do anything I want because I belong to somebody. Uh, the thing is, God owns everybody, even those who do not believe in Jesus. And the fact is, all of us one day will have to stand before him and give an account of our lives. <laughs> all right? So that's what we're learning. We, we learn that from the beginning of creation, mankind was placed on earth to manage and develop what is on the earth, according to the will of the creator. Heaven belongs to God, 
earth was given to man to manage. And even if man makes a mess of management, even if makes a mess of the earth as we have done, it still belongs to God. And one day, we are going to have an, give an account to God of what he did with his stuff which he gave to us to manage, namely this planet and everything else that we own. Amen? Now, as followers of Christ, we are stewards. Stewards don't own the master's goods. Stewards manage the master's goods according to the master's will and purpose. So being a steward is an attitude, a mindset, a decision that we make to think according to what God tells us, not according to the pattern of the world. And so I wonder if you have been thinking about these things this past week. Have you had to adjust maybe your thinking a little bit? Are you still battling with this idea of stewardship? It is something we have to really process and embrace in our lives as followers of Christ. Stewardship is managing the assets of another. Okay? Stewardship is managing the assets of another. But we manage those assets as if they were ours. Ever heard people say, I'm, I'm going to borrow this from you, but, but don't worry, I'm going to look after it as if it was my own. And you kind of feel, okay, that's better. The guy's really going to look after it, you know? Now, of course, not everybody looks after their stuff like you look after your stuff, right? How many of you have, have lent things to people, and when it comes back, it does not come in exactly the same way it went? <laughs> Thank you. You know, and I, go, I think, oh, why did I do it, you know? And then the other people, you, you hand them the stuff, and it comes back. And it's, sometimes there's some things added to it, you know, and you can see, wow, man, I don't mind laying this person my stuff anytime. And so as stewards, we are to manage the things God gives us as if they were ours, but hopefully you look after your stuff. <laughs> Okay, because God wants us to look after our stuff. You see, when I say manage, all right, manage means to be, to look after and expand. By managing, we mean protecting and increasing or expanding the assets of another. As a follower of Christ, this means that I have to protect and increase what God has given to me, to the glory of God, to Increase means to be productive. You know, when, when you take a lump sum of money, you know, you want to invest some money, and you give it to somebody else to manage it for you, and you give them X amount of money. After five years, when you go and fetch your investment, you don't want X amount back. You want X plus, am I right? You're giving to somebody to manage, and you expect that guy, first of all, to look after your money, not to lose it. Number one. Number two. You expect that person to increase it, to expand it, so that when you come back, you've got the money plus. Any normal thinking person will think that about management or investment. Well, guess where that idea came from? That's how God thinks of us. He entrusts us with his stuff and expects us, number one, to look after it, not to mess it up, not to lose it, and number two, to expand on it, to extract the potential of what he's given us. God gave that garden to Adam and Eve. And Adam was supposed to extract the potential of that garden. See, the plants and everything there, the animals, everything. Make sure everything is growing, removing obstacles, making sure everything grows. God has given us this planet, and there's potential in this planet. And we are supposed to expand, extract the potential for the good of all. But we think it is ours. When we find something, we think it's mine. And, and so I, I protect it and I want it for me only. And then I use it to get others to be subjected to me. That's not the plan. You're supposed to expand it for the glory of God. And so God wants us to be productive in his kingdom. And today we're going to find out why. In today's message called Payday is Coming. Payday is coming. So last week, to understand that we are stewards, I went all the way to the beginning, to creation, and I showed you from the Word of God that God created everything, that we are His, that He made us, what I've just given you, that we are to manage His stuff. And so right from the beginning, from creation, 
we are instructed, we are shown, it is revealed to us that we are placed in this planet to be stewards, to look after it. We don't own it. He owns it. But he entrusts it to us. So now I've got it in my hands. And it gives me total freedom to do something with this. I can use it, I can waste it, I can destroy it, or I can enjoy it and I can make it grow. He gives me total freedom to do it. And in, that includes the freedom to mess up. All right? But that's the point. In the beginning, we learn we are stewards. Today, to understand why this matter of being a steward is important, what is the purpose of being a steward? To understand that today, I'm taking you to the end of the story, to the return of Christ. You're going from the beginning, from creation, all the way to the end now, to the return of Jesus. And that is when we find out what is the purpose of stewardship. We're going to look at a parable of Jesus. Now, a, a parable is a story that Jesus made up. And, and Jesus made up lots of stories as he was just talking to people and he wanted to explain a truth. He would quickly just make up a story. Okay, it's a fictitious story. And he just tells a story to people to illustrate a point. Why? You know, fiction is a wonderful way to explain things. And that's why most books that are sold are, are fiction books. We like stories. But in telling a story, you learn principles. You can pick up on certain truths and you can pick up on, on things. So Jesus would make up these stories to teach principles to his people. And so we're going to look at one of these, these, these uh, parables that you find in uh, Luke chapter 19. As a background to this parable, Jesus and the disciples, they are making their way to Jerusalem. They're going down all the way from the north down to Jerusalem. And here's a problem. His disciples believe that as soon as they get to Jerusalem, Jesus is going to reveal himself, you know, as this liberator of the Jews. And he's going to bring the kingdom of God down. It's going to, be, it's going to happen right there. As soon as they get to Jerusalem, he's going to declare himself the king, and here's the kingdom, and bang, it's going to happen. And as they were making their way down to Jerusalem, they stopped by, remember, little Zacchaeus, okay, that they, Jesus met, and then he went to have a party at his house. And so as they're having the spot at Zacchaeus' house, and, and these disciples, they can't wait to get to Jerusalem to start the kingdom of God. So Jesus tells them a little story. Now, there in Zacchaeus' house are his disciples, but there's a bunch of other people. Some, some critics of Jesus are there. Some people that, that could possibly become disciples are there. There's a whole mixed bunch of people over there. And some really didn't like Jesus, but they did as well. They just stay waiting for Jesus to say something wrong, to nail him, say, there you go, false teacher. So they're all watching Jesus. And so Jesus begins. Let's go to Luke 19. This parable is in Luke 19, verses 11 to 27. Verse 11. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable. Because he was near Jerusalem, and because they sought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Can you see? Yeah, they are. The, the disciples, they were getting close to Jerusalem now because, you know, we, 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 Zacchaeus also is now close to Jerusalem. They're getting close and these guys are getting excited. <laughs> the kingdom of God is going to appear immediately. As soon as Jesus gets there, boom, it's going to happen. That's verse 11. Let's move on. Verses 12 to 14. Therefore, Jesus said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Does that sound familiar? Eh? And so he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, do business. Say business. Business is not a bad word in church. Business is not a bad word in Christian life. Some people say, no, in church we don't talk about money. We don't talk about business. Church is spiritual. Oh, Jesus is talking about business. Half of his parables spoke about money and possessions. This is just one of them. And so he says, do business till I come. <laughs> but his citizens, this is not the servants, the citizens of where this guy was ruling. The citizens hated him. Huh? And they sent a delegation after him saying, 
we will not have this man reign over us. Now, the parables of Jesus relate, were always about things which the people could relate to. Now, this is first century. This is Israel. They're under Roman rule. And so what would happen is certain sections of the nation would be ruled by a ruler. And, and this ruler, he would have to go to Rome to be given by the, the emperor there, by, by Caesar, to be given the rulership of that area. And then he would come back and now he, he, he has authority to rule in that area. Not long before this parable, one of the sons of, uh, of Herod had been given a, a rulership. And he went to Rome to get his official stamp on the rulership. Many of the Jews in that area didn't like the man. They hated him. <laughs> well, they hated everybody that <laughs> wanted to rule over them. But anyway, they actually sent a convoy to go and complain in Rome that, you know, we don't want this man ruling after us. Obviously, it didn't work, <laughs> okay? Because the man came back and he went to rule. So the people are hearing this parable and they are making these connections. There are these historical connection over there because that's the way things worked back in those days. So you'd go away, get the official stamp, come back, and now we can implement his kingdom, his rulership. All right? Now, in this parable, Jesus is using the natural to explain something spiritual, but just as real as the natural. Okay? Because you see, when he says, a certain nobleman went into a far country. Who is he talking about? Himself. Himself. Jesus is the nobleman over here. And he went to a far country. Heaven is far from the earth, isn't it? <laughs> he went to a far country to receive a kingdom and return. What did Jesus say? I'm going, but I'm returning. Okay? And when I return, I'm returning to rule. In his first coming, Jesus came unnoticed, you know, meek, mild, little, weak baby, you know. Hmm. When he returns, he does not come like that. When he returns, every eye shall see him. He returns in power, in glory. And he returns to rule, to establish his kingdom. And so this parable really, as we are listening to it, he's talking about himself. Minas, a mina was a weight of money. Okay, and, and it's a bit uncertain exactly how much it was. Some people say it's about the equivalent of, of three months' wages. Others say it's about enough to buy a hundred sheep and so on. It doesn't matter. The fact is, these guys were given a, a certain weight, a certain amount of money, and all servants, ten servants, ten minas, everybody got one. Everybody got one mina. Everybody got the same amount. Say, guys, do business with this until I return. They were his servants, okay? So they continue living you know, in this property, taking care and so on. But they were supposed now to do something with this mina which they received, okay? Well, let's carry on and see what happened. Look, 1915. And so it was when he returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded his servants to whom he had given the money. To be called to him that he might know how much, say how much, how much every man had gained by trading, by doing business, by being wise investors, by doing something with what they had. All right? So, he demands accountability when he returns. You know what? When Jesus returns, there will be an accountability call. Okay? There will be an accountability call, accountability call which awaits all of us. That mina, every servant got the same amount, the same mina. That mina represents our lives. You see, don't confuse this parable with the parable of the talents. Remember the parable of the talents where one, one got five, one got two, one got one. That has to do with, with different abilities and capacities. You all have different abilities and capacities. And, and some of us have five talents. We're able to do a, a number of things and able to do them well. And, and, and some of us only can do one thing well. And, and even though we struggle a bit, uh, but we are still expected to take whatever we've got, be it five or one, we are supposed to... Take that gift and use it to the glory of God. That's a different parable. This one, every servant got one. 
Every servant got the same thing. And that represents your life and my life. We all got one life. In your life, you've got time, talent, treasure. That's your life. When your life is over, your time is finished. Your talent is useless to us because you're gone. And your treasure is not yours anyway. It goes somewhere else. And you can't do anything with it. So that's your life. We all have the same life. And God says, now, invest your life. Do something with your life. Expand your life. You know, grow what you've got. Because one day, we're going to have to give an account. And so everything we have, we are supposed to trade because there's going to be an accountability. So let's see what happened in the story. Luke 19, verse 16. Then came the first, the first servant saying, Master, your mina has earned 10 minas. Listen to his words. Your mina. He didn't say, Master, my mina. <laughs> you know? No, he says, Master, your mina. Because he knew very well that mina was not his. It was the master's. Your mina has earned 10 minas. Why? Because this servant was productive. He took that mina, and I don't know what he did, but he was able to multiply that one mina into 10 minas and bring it back to the master. One mina became 10 minas. And so the master said to him, Well done, good servant. Huh? Take note. Well done, good servant. Because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over 10 cities. What? The guy was given an amount of money. That amount of money, that one mina, no ways is comparable to the size of a, of a whole city. But now the guy was faithful with this mina, and he makes 10 out of the one, and the master gives him 10 cities to rule over. Hmm. So, the man was rewarded. There was a reward for the servant. He received the words, well done, good servant. He got 10 cities. You see, he had a productive life for the kingdom of God. And therefore, he got rewarded. All right, let's see what happens next. Verse 18. And then the second came saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Okay, he also managed to multiply that thing. And likewise, the master said to him, you also have be over five cities. Wow, five cities. Now, that is wonderful. He got rewarded for his mean multiplication. He got five cities. But what didn't he get? He didn't get a comment, well done, good servant. I wonder why. And I think kind of implied over here, the master is saying, you did five. You're going to rule over five cities. But you know what? You could have got ten as well. You could have got ten. That's why he said, and say, well done. So look, you got five. Yeah, you, you're going to get equivalent reward. But you could have got ten. Huh? You could have been more productive for the kingdom of God. Last one, verse 20 to 26. Then came another one saying, Master, <laughs> here is your mina. Here is your mina, which I have put away in a handkerchief. He, he took a handkerchief. He put the mina there, that weight of money. He folded up and he kept it. I don't know where, under his mattress, under his pillow, in his I don't know. He just kept it over there. Here it is, Master. Here it is. I took good care of it. He took good care of it, but he did not what? Expand. What does, it, what does stewardship mean? To care for and to expand. Not just to care, to expand, to make it grow. And so he comes all through, here it is, I took, I took good care of it, here it is, here it is, master. And then he carries on. Because I feared you. He feared the master. I feared you because you are an austere man, and a, a, a severe man. You collect what you did not deposit, and you reap what you did not sow. Oh, wow. So this man has just described his master. This man has just described Jesus at his return. 
austere, powerful, severe, huh? where he collects what he did not deposit and reaps so he does not sow. He's powerful. Okay? He's got power. Now, didn't Jesus kind of do that as well when he was on earth? When he comes to pay taxes, oh, no problem, just go fishing. You're going to find the, some money in the fish's mouth. See, it, it, if Jesus hasn't got stuff, he just creates it. He, he doesn't need you and I to, you know. That's what I said last week. A, a matter of stewardship is not because Jesus, God needs it. It's because he wants to share it. He wants to have the pleasure of sharing with us, of doing things together with us. Do you think this, this master needed the, all those extra minas? No. But he wanted to have a relationship with the guys. He wanted to see how are these guys doing? How faithful are they? How are, are, are they doing? Are they learning something? Are they able to produce something? And so this guy comes out. I knew who you are. And, and therefore, I was too afraid to, to lose it. So I just kept it over here. Now, listen to the words of the master. Out of your mouth, I will judge you. You wicked servant. Ouch. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? If you're too afraid to, to trade with it, afraid of losing it, then at least put it in the bank. That at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. Hmm? And so Jesus said to the, the Mars said to those who stood by, take the mina from him. And give it to whom? To the one who has ten minas. A couple of things here, guys. Use it or lose it. You don't use what you've got, you're going to lose it. Watch, watch what the people said. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. I mean, look, your ten guys. You're only talking about three over here, but, but the master says, take from this one guy and give it to the guy with ten. And people, that's unfair. It's not equitable. Unfair. Uh-uh. We've got rights here, you know. Why? What about this guy with the five? Why don't you give it to him, shame? He only has five. Give it to him. Make it six. That guy's ten already. The master just says, I say to you that to everyone who has will be given. And to him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Hear that? Use it or lose it. To everyone who has will be given. To everyone who is productive, more will be given to him because he is productive. And to him who does not have, to him who is not productive, even what he has will be taken away from him. Why? Because he's not... Come on, guys, listen. You've got, you got some money, okay? You, you, you've got 20,000 bucks, and you want to invest it for a year in a bank. And you go to bank A, and they're giving 12% interest rate. You go to bank me, B, and they're giving 6% interest rate. Where are you going to put your money? Bank A or bank B? Bank A. Why? They give you more interest. Isn't that selfish of you? Why don't you support the poor guy? You only give him six percent. Support that little bank. Maybe they need more, more clients. Then maybe one day they can give 12% too. We don't do that, do we? We put our money where it can be most productive. And we go to people who are productive. And God expects us to be productive. And God will give to those who are more productive. Huh? <laughs> are, we, are we learning something this morning, guys? You see? There's no socialism in heaven. We're going to divide, you know, the trades for everybody. All can be equal. No, 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 no. You're productive, you're going to be entrusted with more. You're not productive, what you got is going to be taken away from you. So that one mean servant was reprimanded. Stuff was taken away from him. Okay, why did, it, why, why did he keep it in a handkerchief? Why didn't he put it in a bank? Now, here's, here's the truth behind the matter. This one guy with his one meaning, with his amount of money, 
he didn't, he wasn't quite sure if his master is really going to return. What if the master doesn't return? What if he gets lost along the way? What if he gets killed? He doesn't come back. Then this money is mine. And I can keep it. <laughs> you see, because if I put it in the bank, whether I put it in my name or in the master's name, now there's a record. You see, there's a record. That I put money there and it's the master's money, and then, then I don't have access to it because, you know. But if I keep it with myself here, nobody knows. It's mine. And he wasn't sure if his master was coming. He wasn't quite trusting of the words of his master. You see? And he thought that what had, what had been entrusted to him was his, was his to keep. And maybe if I keep it long enough, it will become mine. Big mistake that he made, isn't it? Big mistake. Are we coming back again to the fact that this is actually a parable which represents Jesus going and returning, requiring an account from us and rewarding us? Then he ends in verse 27, he closes with this. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Very harsh sentence, but that's what happened in those days. It still happens today. In politics and in some countries, it happens literally. In other countries, it happens they get slain in other ways. They get ostracized. They, they get interrupted. Their bank accounts get frozen. Uh, they get you know, moved out of jobs and so forth. If you don't agree with the, with, the, with the politics, with the system, with the president, you get ostracized and you get cut out. Okay? Uh, back in those days, it was, uh, it was a bit more severe. You don't agree with the ruler... Take your neck off and off you go. <laughs> so what Jesus says is, if, if, you, if you're my enemy, I, you're not in my presence. Get out of my presence, which is exactly what's going to happen in Judgment Day. Those who not believe in Jesus, well, you don't want to follow me, you don't have to be with me. Go somewhere else. All right? So this judgment was not for the servants. The servants got rewarded or reprimanded by they remained his servants. So this parable is not about salvation. This work that, that you're doing, all this trading and so on, is not to earn salvation. Salvation is a done deal. Jesus paid the price. We go into heaven finished. Full stop. But here's the, here's the thing. Let me try and explain it with this. Yeah, no gaan hy preek, ne? No gaan long preek. No, don't worry. I'm not going to sit. So don't worry. This is us now. This is when Jesus returns. The Bible says he's going to return in glory, in Father's glory, and he's going to sit on a throne. He's going to sit in Jerusalem on a throne, and he's going to rule the earth for a thousand years. He's going to bring order to this world, but in order to bring order to this world, Jesus is going to rule with a rod of iron. He's going to be severe. And the nations will worship him, will come to him. There will be peace. There will be prosperity. Finally, this earth is going to become what it was intended to become all those years ago. But when is that going to happen? There or here? Here. Because he says the master goes up, far away, and then when he comes, then he calls his servants and he gets an account and he gives them cities to rule over. Literally, we are going to reign with Jesus. Some of us are going to rule a certain section of a city. Some will rule over a whole city. Some will rule over a few cities. Jesus is going to rule the world through his church, through his people, through us. That's how we're going to come. We, we rule and reign with Jesus. Right now, we are sitting in heavenly places. But when he comes back, it's going to be a literal thing. Right now, there is a spiritual kingdom of God. The kingdom of God exists, but right now, it is spiritual. It's not visible. Why? Because Jesus has not returned. But when he returns, the kingdom of God will be visible. Jesus will be there in Jerusalem. In, and people will go there to worship him. He's going to rule from there, physically. All right? And it is here then that all the stewardship which we have been implementing now, that is where it gets rewarded. And I want us to understand this. Because we can get so caught up in this life 
and all the hassles and all the politics and all the challenges and all the fighting to, to survive and all the intrigue and all the problems with money and relationships and politics and this and that and the other, that we lose sight that our life here is actually going there and it is here based on our faithfulness here, our stewardship here about the kingdom of God will be rewarded. Just like in Jesus' day, it's still today, there are people who say, I don't want this Jesus ruling over me. I don't care about Jesus. I don't care about God. And they just live their lives any old way. Well, on when this day come, Jesus is going to say, get out of here. You don't want to, don't want to be with me? Go. And to us who follow Jesus, who are Christians, how are we doing with our lives and the work for the kingdom of God. Because for many of us, we are more concerned about this life than that life. Amen? You see, payday is coming. It's not now. Sometimes I think, man, I'm going to do good now. Man, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to put, I'm going to put 100 bucks in the offering. And I trust God that next week I'm going to get 1,000 bucks back. And some preachers will lie to you and say, come on, give me, give me your money. Come on, come. You make a pledge. You plant a seed today. Plant a thousand rand, a thousand rand. Yeah. And you watch. God's going to give you a hundred thousand rand because a hundred fold is going to come back to you. And some fools go and they put money and they put money and they put money and they lose money. And then they wonder, why is God not blessing me? Maybe I'm a big sinner. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe I'm not worthy of God's blessing. Hey! God does want to bless you. And at times, there will be blessings that you're going to receive. We do receive rewards on this earth. But guys, the rewards we receive here are like this. The rewards we receive here are like this. This is the true riches where God entrusts you rulership with Him over the world. This is entrusting with your life. But what you do with your life here matters over there. Amen? Our time is up, and we're going to enjoy some communion now. But let me just finish, finish off with a, a couple of things. Just, just two, two quick, quick scriptures. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father with His angels. Has that happened yet? No. And then, and then, He will, re, uh, he will reward each one according to his works, according to your stewardship. Revelation 22, 12. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone. Each one of us is going to give an account, and each one of us is entitled to a reward. Not salvation. Salvation is a gift. A reward is a reward for what you did here with the stuff that God gave you. A reward to give to everyone according to his work, according to his stewardship, according to how he managed and expanded the stuff that God gave them. So if you want to be a 10-minute steward, evaluate your personal productivity for God. Take time today, this week, evaluate your personal productivity for Christ. What are you doing for the kingdom versus what are you doing for yourself? Amen? Take responsibility for your productivity. Accept that how you use your life is your responsibility. It's not, it's not the responsibility of your parents or the government or your husband, your wife, whatever. Things happen to all of us. How we react, how we respond, how we do life is our responsibility. So accept and, and, and the responsibility for your life, amen, and how you use your life. Determine to achieve eternal results. Don't just keep yourself busy with life, but rather aim for the good works that produce eternal results. Amen? Uh, Martin Luther, he used to have a, a quote, well, many quotes, but one of the things you say there is this, another, the great reformer, 500 years ago, he used to say, there are two days in my calendar, today and that day. <laughs> okay? So I'm living today, and I'm going to do as much as I can for the kingdom of God. In your daily life, at your work, at your family, at your school, whatever you're doing, keep God in mind and live your life to please Him today. And keep in mind that that day is coming and you have to give an account. And what you want to do is you want to hear, 
well done, good servant. That's what I want to hear. So let's work towards that. And then, of course, determine to achieve eternal results and stay away from a sinful and wasteful lifestyle. You don't want to receive a rebuke from Christ and, and lose rewards by wasting your life on what does not matter. Aim for that well done. I'm going to ask the ashes to start distributing the, the communion cups as we get ready. So remember, guys, payday is coming. Okay? Don't, don't be under the illusion that if you are a good steward, you're going to receive all your rewards in this life. No. There will be rewards, and we'll talk about that uh, you know, next week and the following. But remember this. You are living and you are being a steward for this day. I, I want that thinking to settle in. In the beginning, God created man and made him steward of everything that God created. And God has given time until Jesus returns. And when he returns, God is going to hold us accountable for all of us. From the beginning of time until now, hold us accountable for what we've done with our lives. And may the Lord help us to be 10 minas Christians. Amen? 10 minas believers. Now listen, guys. This message is here to, to encourage you, to, to uh, inspire you, to challenge you, but not to bring you into, under condemnation or guilt. Please, you know, as, as you look at your life, there are two things that are very different. One is conviction. The other is guilt. Okay? Conviction attacks a problem, whereas guilt attacks a person. Oh, you're a horrible person. You're doing nothing. Blah, 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 blah. That's from the devil. Don't, don't get into guilt. But if as you go in the series, you become convicted that you are missing on some aspects of your life, that you need to up some areas of your life to become a better steward, that's conviction. It will be specific. It will be from the Holy Spirit. It is your concern about, you know, how you can grow in the Lord. That is good. That conviction is good. But beware of guilt. You don't do anything out of feeling guilt, and the devil tries to be very vague. He says, man, you are, you are good for nothing. What a horrible Christian you are. It's not specific. That is guilt. That is condemnation. That is from Satan, uh, because he's the, always the accuser. So don't get in under bondage of that. Use these teachings. Use these messages to propel you forward, to bring light into your life. Amen? To bring clarity as to how you're doing life and how you're using your positions and so on. Amen? Praise God. Come, let's stand up. And so as we take communion now, let, let's take stock of our lives in this area of uh, stewardship, okay? And, and remember that Jesus, he, we are reminded today that Jesus gave his all to us. And so he paid the full price. So our salvation, guys, it's a done deal. This bread and this, this, this cup reminds us that our salvation is a done deal. You put your faith in Jesus Christ, that's it. Okay? If you're, if you're watching, you're sitting and you haven't made a, a decision to follow Jesus, well, right now you can do it. It's not a, not a major thing. It's just a decision. I put my trust in Jesus. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe I need salvation. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make it to heaven on my own. I need a Savior. And you put your faith in Jesus, and then you begin to follow him. But also let us be reminded that not only did he save us, but he sent us his Holy Spirit to enable us to be the stewards that he wants us to be. You are not alone. Amen? So let's be reminded of that as we take the bread and the wine today. Let us pray with the bread. Lord, we thank you for the bread, the fruit of the ground, which reminds us of the body of Christ, broken for us, so that we who are many could be one in Christ. Thank you for taking upon the cross, Lord Jesus, our sicknesses and diseases. Thank you for taking upon us our punishment, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord, and we give you glory. And Father, I just pray health, healing. I pray wellness over your people, Father God. I pray restoration in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen and amen. So take and eat and be blessed as you do. Let's get the cup ready. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the fruit of the vine which reminds us of your blood shed for us. You poured your blood, Lord God, not just to forgive us our sins, not to just cover our sins, but to completely remove our sins, Lord God, so that when we stand before you and we stand before God, 
we stand sinless. You became sin for us so that your justice could come upon us, Lord God. And so we thank you that today we've got access to God. And Lord, because of that, because you are forgiven, because we have access to you, Lord, we pray, Lord, help us to be good stewards. We have become one body with you and with one another, Lord God. Help us as your church to bring glory to you through the way we conduct ourselves, through the way, Lord, we handle and manage our positions, our money, and the assets you give us. Help us to bring glory to your name as, as, as fathers and mothers, as, as, as parents, as children, as, as students, as, as workers, as, as business people. Lord, help us to conduct our lives in such a way that brings glory to your name, Lord God, that is a testimony to others outside, Lord God, and which display biblical values, godly values, and the character of Jesus to those around us. Help us, Lord, because we have this relationship with you, because we are forgiven, help us and use us to remove obstacles, Lord, to those who don't know you yet, Lord, so that others may come to know you through our lives, through our testimonies, Lord. Thank you for this cup of blessing, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Take and drink. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, there is so much to say about this matter. And next week, you're going to continue. And uh, we're going to continue with part three, the prosperity and poverty gospels. <laughs> Which one is right? It will be a fun study that we can get together with. Uh, please remember to sign up for the budgeting seminar if you haven't done so yet. Or sign up online if you are watching us online. And listen, where is Jen? I think she's just gone out, Jenny van der Berg. We want to thank her very specially today for blessing us today with a pre-Valentine's mini donuts to enjoy with our coffee. Thank you, Jenny! <laughs> Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this time together, Lord. Thank you for your word. I pray that this word will be good seed in the good soul of our hearts. Everyone, Father, hear those watching online, those listening. Let this word produce fruit in us, Lord God, that we will mind our lives today, that we'll be good stewards today, Lord, waiting for that day when we'll be rewarded, Lord God, and we are looking forward to hearing from you. Well done, Good servant, Lord. Thank you for your blessings. So now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the, and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain upon each one of us as we endeavor to be good stewards for the Lord. Amen and amen.